Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guests today are the founders of the Artisan Brewer, Robert and Michelle Sullivan. Welcome to Upward Way. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It is indeed my pleasure to have you here today. And I know I can promise my listeners that you are in for a quite a journey. So for you, Robert and uh, Michelle, I just wanted you to walk us through your life a bit. Maybe, you know, where did you grow up? How were things like for you as children? So I don't know who wants to go first, but you could start <laughs> there and then we will get deeper into things. Yeah, I'll let my uh, my wife go first, ladies first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very gentleman of you. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, so um, as a child, yes, I grew up in, how do I put it, in, uh, in Reading, Berkshire, um, in the UK, United Kingdom. And Reading is really about 30, 40 minutes, if that, from um, Windsor Castle which is um, also in um, Berkshire, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the residences of uh, the Queen, just to give some perspective. So I grew up um, with my mother at first um, because my parents had broken up before I was born even. Um, both my parents are from a secular background. My mother, she's an Anglo-Irish lady. Uh, born of Irish parents, but she was born in London. And my dad, he was, what do you call him, like a first-generation Black Black mm-hmm. Caribbean. So he came over in the 60s to the UK from St. Vincent. And um, he was born and raised in, um, in Aruba, in Aruba mainly. You know, I just had a normal, I suppose, to a certain extent, a normal life from the age of nine onwards. And then um, there's not really much to say, to be honest. It's pretty pretty mm. standard. My dad was a DJ. He used to take me with him from the age of about nine, ten-ish. Um, my mum was a typical Irish woman. Mm. She used to love to go out to the pub and drink <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, have a, have a jolly. Mm. And that's, you know, they, you know, she would smoke and that, that was just her life. And that was my dad's life pretty much. So mm. that, that was it really for me. I had no religious background at all. Although I was very interested in religious things um, to the point where I uh, went to church one day on a Sabbath. And um, I knew that my dad would be against it because he was not religious at all. He'd run from religion. And I remember telling my stepmom at the time that I had gone. And I said, oh, don't tell my dad. And she did. And so when my dad found out that I'd gone to the Seventh-day Adventist church in Reading, I was uh, grounded every Sabbath. I wasn't allowed to go out on a Saturday. Um, so I used to be able to 
be allowed to go into town. And that's what he thought. I caught the bus to go into town. But I did go into town, but then I walked up to the church to meet a friend. (laughs) (laughs) So that didn't quite go down too well. Um, I also was quite interested in... um, Astrology. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there was a church that was nearby that I wanted to go to, but, you know, I never really knew when they opened and things like that. And then I remember it must have been about 14, 15, praying and saying to God, even though I didn't really know how to pray properly, but I did pray and said to God that I really wanted to marry somebody who was religious and had a religious family. And um, when I was 16, I met Robert. Mm. And Robert happened to be a Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah, well, well one, of sorts. Of sorts. One <laughs> foot in the church and one foot out. <laughs> yeah. Just so before we, we transition yeah. into Robert, you mentioned your father, Michel, being a DJ. Just want to clarify, was it that he was a disc jockey or was he the type, as we would refer in Jamaica, when you said DJ? Disc jockey, yes. Okay, all right. He was a disc jockey, yeah. <laughs> all right, because um, just for the sake of um, those who might be listening, you know, in Jamaica, persons who talk about DJ, they are not necessarily uh, disc jockeys, but they are really artists, but it's just the kind of songs or their production they just referred them as dj okay so over to you now robert sorry about that no, well, no that's okay it's good to clarify actually i can clarify even further and say that my dad was uh, a little bit of an artist too i mean he was a disc jockey mm. but he was also a professional drummer and um he was quite into calypso music and things like that mm. so yeah that's right so uh so uh, i was born in london spent the early years in london and then my parents um separated and um, my mum took myself and my sister to um, Hampshire, Basingstoke. And so we grew up in Basingstoke. And um, my mum was a Seventh-day Adventist. So my early recollections was always being involved in church and going to church. That was, you know, every Saturday, that's just how it was. My father, who I didn't grow up with, but strangely enough, his parents and his brothers and sisters strange enough they are all seventh-day adventists but he's not and uh, strangely well, he, grew, he grew up that way he grew up he that just way, chose but, not to practice yeah yeah and strangely enough he also um he, he also liked music quite a bit and um would also uh <laughs> dj as well disc but, jockey he was yeah, also yeah. disc jockey yeah yeah <laughs> which is strange but anyway so I always grew up going to church. Um, Sabbath was was always the thing. Lots of friends. I always had a good, um, a good experience going to church. Having that extended family um, there was always really nice. But I would have to say, all during that time, from since being a little person to late teens, early twenties, mid twenties, um, and even a little bit later, actually, yeah, much later, actually, um, I never had. I never had a relationship with God. I never had an experience with God. All I knew was that on Sabbath, you go to church. And what would normally happen is, is that, you know, during the week, our family and other families would just do whatever we did during the week. And then whether you're school, whether you're at uni, sorry, not uni, college. And then when I started working, you know, you just did whatever you did during the week. But then on Sabbath, you went to church and then sabbath afternoon stroke evening soon as sunset goes down then you switch back on the tv and life continues as usual so (laughs) that's what i knew and that's how i 
I grew up and that's what I thought was I thought that was life and I thought that was how things were going to be until Jesus comes again and would take me and I would go to heaven and I would just continue from there that was my upbringing and that's what I I thought yeah <laughs> yes that is indeed a very interesting start to the journey as you shared there were a few things in common one being that your parents were both well your dads were both djs so as it relates to your coming together i know sister michelle had started out by telling us that at 16 you know she met robert so you know was he like the knight in shining armor how <laughs> did things unfold of course <laughs> <laughs> no i i don't really think I wasn't in the the market mm. for, I wasn't looking for mm. anybody in particular. I was friends with his friend at the time, mm. but that was probably about it. But I think it was more that you were looking. I, I mean, you were looking at me. I wasn't necessarily looking at you. Yeah. But maybe yeah. that's the way it should be. Yeah. Maybe it's the guys <laughs> that should be looking. But I was just minding my own business, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I was quite young. And so, you know, it's not that I would recommend the listeners go about looking or no. starting relationships with young men at the age of 16. No. I had a bit of a different background um, to some degree. And it, even so, it probably still wouldn't be an excuse. But, you know, my father was quite abusive. And my auntie had found out about the abuse that had taken place and involved social services. And mm. I think actually I was... I mean, I'd met you at yeah, 16, we but I think at this time mm. it was 17. Mm. A few months had passed and my birthday had happened. And then the social services basically told my auntie and myself, and I think you came to the meeting, that mm. I could have actually left home. And so um, that's exactly what I did. And I was offered to be with my auntie or to go with Robert. Mm. And of course, you know, you ask a 16, 17-year-old girl who she wants to be with. Mm. And... Um, you know, I chose to be with Robert. And so thankfully, mm. we've been together ever since. And so, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, the stories don't always end that well. And that's no. why I'd like to caveat this <laughs> with this is this is not this is an exception. And it's just the mercy of God. And it's definitely not the way that you should, we should go plans. about making plans for yeah, your life. <laughs> yeah. But God is merciful. Yeah. And, and we're thankful for that. But we're just being as as open and honest and as candid as possible with you so so that you and your viewers can have a, an idea as to what our background was and where we were coming from. Yeah, and so um, so that, that was my side of things. I mean, I wasn't, as I said, I wasn't specifically looking, mm. um, but maybe you have a different story to tell. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I was looking to, as it were, you know, settle down this sort of thing. So, you know, that, that was definitely on the cards. Um, you know, and I think part of that was my sort of upbringing in the church. You know, I mean, I wasn't sort of, you know, one of those guys sort of out there, you know, different girls dating or girlfriends and all of that sort of thing. So I was sort of looking to try and settle down in my own little world. Yeah, I think mm. a friend of mine, when when I was um, sort of meeting up with Robert and things like that, you know, here and there, um, I think there were a couple of questions that he had asked me. And one of the questions was, oh, can I meet your parents? And so I kind of freaked out at the thought because I know that my dad would definitely not be having any of this. <laughs> and so I told my friend, I was like, what am I going to do? He's asking to meet my parents. And she turned around and she says, oh, Michelle, she says, I think he wants a bit of marriage. <laughs> That's exactly how she said it. He wants a bit of marriage. <laughs> And that, that, I think that scared me all the more. 
yeah. <laughs> I love the disclaimer, the disclaimer that you put out. It's not the recommendation that at 17, 18, you jump into a relationship, but that is how things are in the real world, you know, for many persons. And we are not sure as to how different circumstances will lead. But as you have just said, it is only for the grace and mercies of God. So I'm going to fast forward a bit before I will maybe reverse. You're the founders of the Artisan Brewer. Now, that might sound like a lot for many persons, but of course, I don't know what this is. I'm just going to pretend as though I don't know what the Artisan Grow is all about. So I'm just, I'm just going to lay the table before you or lay the, the land before you for you to just share with us what is the Artisan Grower really all about. The Artisan Grower is our farm that we started this farm or this business that we have was really a blessing, um, a blessing from the Lord. Um, it was really his answer to the question that we had, what would thou have us to do, Lord? It's an occupation that he has given us. It's not something that we just woke up one day and said to ourselves, oh, let's farm. Mm. It came about from um, wilderness wanderings. <laughs> let's mm. put it that way. Since we picked up our family and moved to the countryside, yeah, we which did. we'll get into. That's a whole nother yeah. conversation. So basically it's a market garden mm. and um, it started out um, as, you know, very small, just under an acre. Mm. And then it kind of grew to a larger, and we'll cover this as we go through our little bit of a story. Um, as you said, you wanted to go forward to go backwards. So, you know, but I'll tell you what it is. It's a, it's a farm that's on a 10, 10 acre piece of land. And basically it supplies a catering company mm. um, and will supply hotels will supply well. some hotels that we've been asked to 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 provide for and it supplies us with an income i mm. suppose and, and it gets us outside and yeah it's, it's... yeah and just to just to add to that so we grow um we don't grow organically as most people know we use a method what we call um veganic growing so it means that we don't use any animal inputs for fertilization it's just a choice that we decided to make so we don't use any um fertilizers or amendments that have got like fish blood and bones and things like that um also we grow microgreens uh, which we've stopped because we've just moved um, but we'll get that production going again um, and we also grow edible flowers as well. That's right. So it's not just the vegetables, but we also do um, edible flowers as well. And, so and hope mm -hmm. and one thing we'd like to be able to add to our um, menu, so mm -hmm. to speak, is uh, cut flowers. Mm, cut flowers. And this year coming, we hope to have um, honey as mm. well. Yeah. So that, that, yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a big project. But the, we've seen the Lord work in mighty ways, opening doors where we couldn't have opened and bringing opportunities which we couldn't have even dreamed of. We've seen him do miracles which we couldn't have orchestrated. So we know definitely hand on heart that this is uh, God's leading. And um, that's what we do. So that's the artisan grower. <laughs> In essence, uh, just to make sure um, nothing has been missed. So in essence, you basically, you have a farm and you mm -hmm. have your own produce. 
and from that you are able to supply those who have a need correct in the simplest of senses yeah yeah well wonderfully you know it it sounds simple and and the reason i decided to ask it that way because you indicated briefly that you you know took your family and you head to the countryside so before i get into that part of the journey did any of you had farming experiences before yeah that's a very very good question <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no no experience none before at all. none at all and um that has been a whole big lesson as well because um i believe this is one of the joys in that god is god wants us to lean on him more and it's not to say that you know if you've got a certain experience that god can't use that because god can do whatever he needs to do but at the end of the day even if you've got a particular skill god still wants you to lean on him for the answers and so it makes us more so that we have to lean on him we have to get the answer from him because we didn't have any experience i mean obviously we did a lot of research we did a lot of reading we bought lots of books and um lots of youtube videos but at the end of the day with something as practical as agriculture growing you've got to just put seed in the ground and you've got to put your wellington boots on and you've got to get muddy and you've got to get your hands dirty you just got to learn by experience and um through this we can see glimpses of really the christian walk it's really like it's the what is it i'm trying to say <laughs> um pilgrim journey yeah kind of like the pilgrim journey you can see that being built out because every day is something different and every day you move forward but then sometimes things knock you back you have to get back up you have to keep on continuing and it's just like the christian walk you know not every day is a huge success but then the next day it might be you know quite a downer but then you don't leave yourself in the down in the doldrums you pick yourself up you read some of god's promises and then you continue you know and you go forward again in faith you know in claiming those promises so we can see similarities but it's 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 a really really nice experience that's what i'm trying to say mm. yes wonderful and you know some ideas are popping up in my head and i don't want to preempt myself too much but as you just outlined you can see similarities between the walk of faith or just life itself with um just spending time in the soil because you know a seed is planted in a literal sense and with the spiritual it's the same a seed is planted and over time there is growth sometimes <laughs> there is no growth because of maybe the weather and you know the, the nutritional balance and it's the same in our spiritual sense if our spiritual nutrition is not good or if there's none then there is no growth i want to give you a chance to to speak a little to to the logo that you have there usually a logo <laughs> is not maybe mentioned during you know a, a session but someone looking at your logo you know when i looked at it the thought similar to what you had in mind came about but someone will look at it and okay here's a plate there's a knife and there's a fork but that is not what the that's not <laughs> of the logo right it means something else you know some physical toil so could you just share a bit about the logo and also as it relates to from the farm you know silver plate you know what what could be the significance of that as well 
Yeah, again, a very, very good uh, point. And um, it's good that you noticed that. As a, as a matter of fact, I think you're probably the first person. No, there's been, there has been. Others. Who's mentioned that, but have they actually seen what it is? Normally people say, oh, uh, your logo, it's a knife and a fork. Oh, yeah, sorry. I thought, <laughs> from that point of view, I thought, yeah. Yeah, but that's he's right. the first one that's realised that actually... It, it isn't a knife, not, and a, not a knife and a fork. Yeah, no, that, that's it's, right. It's actually hand tools. Yeah. It's a hand shovel and a hand fork. And so when we first started out with the farming, we were using really nothing much more than hand tools. Mm. Um, but we have... Um, because the farmers got bigger and there's a lot more to do, we've now introduced a tractor. So now, but it's not—it's not a big tractor. It's what what we call a compact tractor. It's a small little tiny tractor, just so that we can rotate our beds and this, that, the other. Yeah. But yeah, we wanted this whole idea of—you um, might have heard—you know—people talk about farm to fork. So it's this whole idea that you know whatever you grow, you know that's going to be nutrient dense and it's going to be of the best quality. That that's the stuff that's going to be on your table, you know, and whether you eat it raw or whether you you know you, you cook with it, but still you know the nutrients are going to be really good. So this is it's this whole idea of just keeping it simple. We wanted not just our growing methods, but we wanted everything about us just to be quite simple. And we found that this particular logo which we really made ourselves what it portrayed i think was just something very very simple but it is a like you said it is a fork and knife if you're looking at it just casually but it's really garden tools that are going to be used and obviously the plate is just to represent um you know eating from the land yeah so there is a lot in there so i'm glad that you noticed that Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So now to the, I would say, juicier part now. You spoke about, or there was hint about picking up your family heading to the countryside. Now, that in itself is what I'd consider a faith journey or a leap of faith. I'm sure with no farming experiences, as you outlined, you know, there would be a lot of uncertainties. And so as you share about you know this move i would want you to also if you can put in it the idea of you know moving into the unknown from a faith perspective we can yeah. do that yeah so so basically you know we were together um well 17 um i think you were I don't know how old you are. I can't really remember, but 24, <laughs> 23, 22, 22, 22 I think. Mm. Um, anyway, we, we got married when I was, I think I was 19 and mm. you were 25 or something along those lines. And then we had, um, well, actually, before we got married, we had um, our eldest son. And then after we got married a year later, we had our daughter. daughter. Let me do female than male. Mm, so mm. we have a 30-year-old son, a 28-year-old daughter, a 19-year-old son, a 15-year-old son, 12-year-old daughter, 9-year-old daughter, and 5-year-old daughter. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So I don't know why I just counted uh, eight fingers, but it's seven children. <laughs> you know, as time progressed, we did the usual thing. You know, we were working. Um, we worked our way up the ladder. Mm. Um, Robert mm. was working within um, Tele the telecommunications industry and likewise myself as well. Robert was a business consultant within telecommunications and I was a, I was project coordinating stroke project management. 
and we were just living life in the normal way. And we were sent our children to school. We did um, private school and things like that. Um, we paid for them to have, mm. you know, the best mm. education and things like that. And then what happened is we noticed that things weren't great. <laughs> as much as, you know, we, we were earning good money, let's put it that way. We were mm. both on six-figure incomes. Um, what happened was um, Mark and Noel. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Mm. Do you want to explain no, that? So basically, um, we were working and just living life normally. And mm. then there was a bit of a tragedy mm. in the sense that um, the friend that um, I had that um, introduced me to Robert, um, his two younger brothers um, were killed in a car crash. And they were quite close to us. Obviously, Robert grew up with them within the church. And I came to know of the church and Robert through this through this family. So I think um, Noah would have been coming up to 20 years mm. old. And um, I think Mark was probably about 27 or something like that. Mm. And yeah, they, they, they were killed in a, in a car crash. And I think that was a, a bit of a life. Yeah, that was that was a bit of a, of a shocker because, um, you know, we were at church at the time. It was a Sabbath when they died when we got the message yeah, we, and, we were uh, actually looking after mark's um daughter. daughter we had his daughter with us and she mm. would have been about five or something and uh, i just remember thinking wow uh because i knew you know um even though they were going to church but you know um straight after going to church you know they would be going out and partying and whatnot and so would i be so in my mind i said to myself prior to this i used to think to myself that when Jesus comes, this is what I used to think. When Jesus comes, I used to think, well, I go to church and I go to church on the Sabbath. So surely when Jesus comes, I'm going to be going to heaven. That's what I thought. I didn't really think much about it, but that's what I thought. So anyway, so when our friends died, I thought to myself, it was the Holy Spirit, but I didn't know anything about this. But at the time, I just thought to myself, I don't think they're going to be going to heaven because I knew the lifestyle that they had. And then I suddenly thought to myself, well, hold on a minute. If they're not going to be going to heaven, what about me? Because I've got exactly the same lifestyle, maybe even worse. And so... Although, as a disclaimer, mm. if the family were to hear this, <laughs> we don't obviously know whether no. they will or not. No. That, that's obviously down to God. But I think... Yeah, this yeah. is just how my mind was working. Mm. Um, and I think the Holy Spirit was just trying to get through to me that something wasn't right. You know, because at this time... I didn't have a walk with the Lord. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know the Lord as my savior or anything like that. I just went to church. I was just going through the motions. So um, shortly after that, we moved from the area that we were in and um, we ended up in an area. Um, Which is about 45 minutes yeah. um, north of where we were living. Mm. And um, we lived there for about, we live in this town, Milton Keynes, for seven years. And it's mm. quite interesting what happened um, because whilst we were living there, you know, so many things happened. I don't mm. know whether you want to touch very quickly on your, um, you know, our, our son, he was about 14. This is some years in of being in Milton Keynes, probably about, mm. you know, two thirds of the way into being in Milton Keynes. And our eldest son, he was running away mm. from home and just you know he's just 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 really have taking us through a lot of uh, grief and issues at the time and um it came at a time when actually i started reading a lot more of ellen white because at the time that mark and noel died 
the following um, year and month, one year, one month, one day later, my dad died and he died of motor neurons disease. And a lot of people at the time were sort of saying, you know, oh, you know, you could get it and things like that. And I was quite fearful, I think. And so I started to read Ministry of Healing. We, we missed this bit. But, you know, in the, in the early 90s, Robert got rebaptized and I got baptized into the Adventist church. Mm. And um, so we'd be giving, you know, the baptismal package, which had all these books in it. And Ministry of Healing was one of them. Mm. But and we'd so, never read any of them. No. But they were just sitting there yeah. on the shelf. So all those years. And so I decided to pick it up and read it because my dad had died looking for answers like, you know, I just didn't want to die of motor neurons disease. Let's put it that way. And um, from there, it just sort of led me to read other things. And um, shortly after moving to Milton Keynes, I also read the Bible. I was reading through the Gospels. Mm. And I just basically, I don't know what happened, but I just kind of started on a conversion experience, really. I remember sitting on the landing, reading through the Gospels and got to this, the point where Jesus was was being crucified. And I remember sitting on the landing, everybody in the house was asleep. I'd sit up late at night and read it, you know, 11 o'clock at night, whatever. And I remember sitting on the landing and crying because he'd been crucified and all of this. And I was really into this. And, you know, I stopped sort of listening to some music at the time. And I was listening to sort of, mm. I don't know, like I was listening to a Christian radio station when I'd be in the car and things like that, you know, just a slight change of what I was used to. And, um, yeah, it was just for like an, an awakening, really. Mm, and mm. so that kind of led me into reading more of Ellen White's writings and coming across ministries as well that were very helpful to me, like Empowered Living Ministries and Restoration International and things like that. And started to read some of their articles and ordering some DVDs and, and just started to see that, wait, as a Seventh-day Adventist, the life that we're living here in this town is not the true picture of what God actually wants for his people. I could see that. Mm. And mm. Um, I remember reading a book called, um, what was it? Country. No, no. Raising Your Child oh. by the Spirit by, mm. by Sally Holmberger. And then I also watched um, their country living. They had like a little video by Jim Holmberger, seeing that they had sold everything and gone out to the mountains of Montana to raise their boys. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed like such an eye opener. They said they had no television because the window was the television mm -hmm. and outside they would see the deer and rabbits yes. and bears. And I was just like, Whoa, wow. what is this? <laughs> and for the first time ever, it just opened my eyes to this new, this just different way of living, mm. you know, a country living. It was just such an amazing thought process for me you know and I remember Robert would be there in the living room watching, watching TV, TV. Mm. and I'm there reading these books <laughs> becoming enlightened and there he is over there watching movies and I'm thinking <laughs> to myself something's not right here mm. he's watching movies but these people are watching deer and bears through their window it just hit my heart. And I was like, this is what I want for my family. Mm, and mm. so then I had the task of trying to convince Robert of this, but mm. I didn't really, did mm. I? I? I mean, I didn't, not that I didn't convince you, but mm. I didn't really sort of come upon you with some sort of, come on, we got to do this. It was not like that. It was very organic, yeah. the way it all sort of happened. Yeah. Because it came at a time actually where you started to sort of take your faith a little bit more seriously because mm. I was praying a lot. I was mm. praying a lot for him. Mm. You and know. what happened was, I think it was through, there was a ministry in, in the United Kingdom called 
Ministry Helps. Ministry Helps, yeah. Uh, Ministry Helps, which is run by a retired Adventist couple. Jack and Joy Rain. Yeah, and they live in rural Wales. And they do a ministry where it's sort of DVDs, CDs, and booklets and pamphlets. Anyway, they said that there was these these sort of series that were taking place um, in the North England Conference. This is within a conference in the United Kingdom where they would have speakers over from America and just different international speakers, but they were really quite sort of very spiritual. And they said, oh, um, I think you guys, they said we should go, we should try and attend some. So we did. Yeah, we did. And uh, at the time, we it was uh, David Gates, uh, Ivor Myers, Stephen Bohr. Yeah, uh, I this don't know. was back in the day. It yeah. was David Asherick. David Asherick. There was quite a few people yeah. that were attending. Jeffrey Rosario. Jeffrey Rosario. There, you know, so we started to attend. But there was one in particular, wasn't there, with mm. David Gates. And he was giving his testimonies of his walk with the Lord. It just blew our minds. We were it like, blew our, well, the first two things, let me just say, was that when um, Pastor <laughs> Ivor Myers was here, he was talking, he was doing a whole Daniel and Revelation thing. And I just, we were in the audience right at the front. And I remember uh, he was talking about different beasts, <laughs> this beast coming out of the sea and that beast. And I remember people around us were saying, Amen. Amen. Or, or they would finish. He would start like, you know, a verse and they would finish it. And we were sat there looking we like, like, what on earth is he talking what about? He talking Beast? About? What on earth? Is he? It, to me, it just sounded like gobbledygook because I had never, Studied ever it. heard anything like this in my life. You have to remember, I was just used to going to church, coming home and just getting on with my life, doing what I'm doing. All of a sudden we're at this meeting with these serious people who are talking, you know, present truth and three angels messages. I mean, we say it now, but it's like, you've got to imagine this was just like we were... speaking a different language. Yeah. It was speaking a different language. But anyway, Pastor David Gates was there and he was sharing his testimonies of um, how he was walking with the Lord. And as he was speaking, I, my heart was being pricked because for the first time, this is the first time I had heard anyone talking about God as he was a friend. And as, if as he in, sat right next to him. Like he's a real person. Like most of the time when growing up in church, it's like you pray to God. He's you, all the way you, up there. He's all the way up there. You read about God in the stories of the Bible. But the pastor, no pastor's elders had related a story with themselves with God. It was just they're just reading the Bible and that's it. But here is this guy, Pastor Gates, and he's talking about God in a way that was relatable. He was giving these testimonies of how he would pray to God for his, you know, he would claim promises from the Bible and God would actually answer these promises. And I was like, this is unbelievable. You know, you have to imagine in my mind, I was like, this is unbelievable. And I said to myself, not not like physically, but I said in my mind, I said, this is the kind of relationship I want to have with God. Mm. I want to have a real relationship with him. I don't just want to go through the motions. So this is what I said in my mind. I guess it was like a crying out. And um, that prayer was answered and would be tested. <laughs> yes, it's true. And, you know, there was one thing that David Gates said that we remember, and he said to put all on the altar for God, mm. put your job, 
put your family, your children, your education, your money, your education, everything. Just put plans. it put it all on the altar. In other words, put God first yeah. in everything that you do. You know, it's like come to God and just, hey, look, here I am, Lord. I'm a second year medical student, but I'm actually now saying to you, Lord, what do you want me to do? I know I want to be a doctor, but I'm now asking you, Lord, you tell me what you want me to do. Because, you know, the Bible says he's got plans. You know, That's he right. before we were even formed, he had plans. So it's like, well, what are those plans? Specifically, Lord, what plan? that was just plan? an example, by the way. I'm you just giving you an example. You second year No, no, student. no, I wasn't a second year. But it's just this principle and this idea. And we'd never heard. And it's like, I was like, yeah, of course. Well, why not? Because all of a sudden it was like, yeah, Christ has died for me. Mm. Yeah, yeah we're moving on <laughs> yeah and so with that mm. we you know we just saw a completely different way of life mm. and we our eyes had been open spiritually you know the rain family um invited us to come to their house they mm. they were living in the countryside at the time and we went mm. um and then we went to a you know a, a water into wine retreat and we felt convicted at the time that we wanted to um it was like a marriage retreat it was a marriage retreat yeah and we felt convicted that you know god really wanted to love us mm. and he wanted to, to be bless us yeah and it was at that retreat that we decided that we would homeschool our children so mm. that that's something that we that, chose, we, just, to that we chose to do our son um, was home again hmm. and we decided that we weren't going to send him back to school because we felt that that was the root of all the evils. <laughs> One of the roots of all the evils, not that we're against schools, but for him, it just wasn't a good, a good match. And so um, we were on a journey and God wanted to teach us to trust him, hmm. you know? That's right. And so if we have time, there's a couple of testimonies that we can share that brought us to, to farming really, um, do we have time to share those? I suspect, you know, we will need a part two to unpack some more ah. of the of the story. And, you know, if you could promise a part two, then, of course, later on, we'll organize it as well. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine. We've been talking with Robert and Michelle Sullivan, my guest today on Upward Way. They are the co-founders of the Artisan Grower. I must promise that we will have a second interview with them sometime in the future. So please stay in tune for that. You've been in tune to Upward Way. Do join us again next week when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Subscribe to weekly episodes on the Apple, AWR, Loud Voice, Spotify, Stitcher, or Podcast Guru apps. You're also welcome to visit Upward Way Facebook page. Click like and leave a comment. Until then, I am Marlon Walters saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way Podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.